You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Privileged to um, be able to share with you this morning. We're doing this uh, series on being dressed for the kingdom. And I've been given the privilege of sharing one of those things that we're to be clothed with. So we've been posing the question, who are you wearing? What are you wearing? We, we as, as spiritual Christians, we wear Jesus. We, there's a link between our clothing and our status that Matt's been talking about. And we have status as sons and daughters of the living God. What an awesome privilege. Um, so as part of this series, we want to look at the significance of what, what some of these things, you know, God calls us to put things off and put things on, we want to take hold of the things he's put us on. I've been meditating on this, the, the clothing side of things, and just realising, you know, the clothing to me speaks of, I think there's more than just, oh, it's clothing us, it's covering us, there's function to it, there's, uh, it's almost like God's given us these things, it's like, well, are we going to use them or not? Are we going to apply them in our lives? And they look like something. So... Um, so let's get into it. We're going to look at clothed with humility. Clothed with humility. I was like, when I first got this topic, I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty simple. Just don't be proud, be humble. Um, but the more I looked into it, I was like, whoa, this is, this is a very big thing because pride is a big thing that wants to creep in. Let's, let's open the scriptures. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 verse 12. It says... Again, what we're called to put on. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, being with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive. That's coming through this morning. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive uh, Micah 6, verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, except to be just, to love, and diligently practice kindness, this is the amplified, a few extra words in there, compassion, and to walk humbly with your God. So setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. Ouch, there's the uh, humility. There's going to be a few ouch things this morning. There's going to be some profound scriptures. I am, yeah. So buckle up. 1 Peter 5, 5 to 8, it says, likewise, you who are younger, I mean, this flows on from elders and, and things, but it says, likewise, you are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, so then he's referring to everyone again, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's a key passage that we're going to look into. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all anxieties on you because he cares for you. And then I was just, if you read on, then it flips over to, um, talks about the devil as a prowling lion. He said, be watchful. So there's a watchfulness as part of this humility, and I'm going to try and cover that. So, humility, it refers to lowliness of mind, when you look at the definitions there, a low, um, setting aside an overblown sense of importance, or self-righteousness, like we read there. Um, 
it's, it's talking about a freedom from pride and arrogance, and it's regarding yourself as no better than anyone else. So, and when we read that bit in 1 Peter 5, it talks about, be clothed with humility, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And the Greek word there is referring to clothing yourself as you would for some menial physical task. So I was thinking about this and going, what, um, what clothing would humility represent? Anyone, anyone got any ideas? What clothing? Oh, very good, very good. Do you want to bring up the picture, Josh? Thanks to Josh, who's doing overheads today. This is Pat. Pat is wearing the protective overalls of humility. I'm calling them overalls. Well done, Dave. Protective overalls of humility. Be like Pat. But have a good attitude and own it a bit more. Pat here, I don't think this is the height of his modelling career. <laughs> Quite a humbling moment for him. I don't really feel like he's owning it. He's just like, guys, really? Three, three suits? Let's go on to the next one. Here's Bruce. Come on, Bruce. Bruce is wearing his protective suit of humility under his armour. You can't see it. Bruce looks cool. You can also be like Bruce. But stay humble. Stay humble. The, um, you know, I'm having a bit of fun there, but really, you know, humility isn't flashy. I like this idea of overalls because they're, they're functional. They're there for a reason. They helped you a lot of, you know, during, gee, during COVID, overalls got to work out, protective overalls. But, um, you know, it's funny because we can, there's something beautiful about humility, but then there's also, we don't, it's not flashy. Um, and I think the key that I want to draw out here is that, you know, the clothing of humility, I don't think it's just a, like a, a hat or a jacket that you put on and put off. It's something that's all covering. And the reason it's like that is because it helps us to counter pride. Pride and humility are opposing. And the humility actually helps us to protect ourselves from our vulnerability to pride. Pride, gee, is everywhere. Pride is what caused Adam and Eve to, to fall. Pride is what caused Lucifer to be thrown out of heaven. Um, there's so many different types of pride. And I could go into this, and I had pages and pages, and I had to, unfortunately, put them aside. But, you know, there's intellectual pride. There's spiritual pride. We can have pride in even our giftings that God has given us for his glory. Pride can get into that in our accomplishments, in, our, in being self-absorbed. So the trouble is that pride gets in, and that's why the protective suit is important. You think about... I was thinking about pride. Pride is like, you know when you're doing renos or you're, you're working on plasterboard? Gee, I, I really feel for plasterers. <laughs> Tough job because of the plaster dust gets into everything. And it's just this fine dust that gets everywhere. And it's, that's what pride is like. It can get into everything if we're not careful. And that's why when God calls us to be clothed with humility, he re, it's such a key thing because it, it protects us from the pride that is constantly there. It's always trying to find its way in, and we need to be on our guard against it. So, there's a motivation to humility. We read before. The first one, obviously, is to reflect and become like Jesus. You know, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are being changed into the same image from glory to glory. So, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. And that's, that's the motivation, because Jesus was humble. And we're going to look into that. But um, 
We find another motivation in that scripture in 1 Peter 5 where it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So there's, if we want more grace in our lives, then humility is the key. If, um, if we want to be resisted in our lives, pride will, proud, pride will do that. And if we look at that context there, the, it's talking about resisting is both for the saved and unsaved. God doesn't just resist the unsaved proud. He resists all of us. And when you look into the definition of that resistance, it presents a picture of an advancing army that runs into an impassable barrier of soldiers, deployed by a wise, defending general. So you can picture it like this roadblock. And I think when I, as I was looking into this, I'm like, wow, this, that's what God does when there's pride in our lives. He sets up a roadblock um, that restricts our movement and it's for our own good. It's, it's, it's that classic, you know, God disciplines those he loves. As a parent, I discipline my kids and I'll, sometimes I'll restrain them because I know it's for their good that, gee, if I let them go down this track, they are going to get in a bad way. And I think it's the same with God with us. Um, when, he, when we allow pr- pr- pride in our lives, he goes, sorry, I can't, I need to resist that. Firstly, because he'll give his glory to no other, but secondly... He understands that it's not for our good and he has to resist it. So, um, and I think, you know, I think really, and this is where it's like the reality of it hits home, is often I think we can go, we can give the enemy more credit than he's due when we're facing challenges or we're being restrained. And I think often it's actually pride in our lives that's actually restricting that breakthrough and um, the freedom that we have and living in the grace that God has for us because of pride that we've allowed in that can really um, restrain and restrict or cause him to restrain and restrict us. So, um, so as I said, the, the answer to it is pride. There is, there is a way forward. It's only through God's help that we can improve in humility but the amazing thing is, is he, he rewards us, you know. So God's so gracious that as we grow in humility, he pours out more grace. And um, it's almost like, you know, money makes money, humility makes humility. It's that perpetual cyclic thing that I, you see so much in Scripture that, that God is so good when we do what he's called us to do, he just pours out blessing, he pours out grace. So my question for us today is, are we putting on the clothing of humility every day so that we're updating our resistance to pride, but we're also living in that grace that God has for us, that ever-increasing grace? And um, I think the beautiful thing is when we look at Jesus, he's the ultimate example of this. Um, If you'd like to turn to Philippians chapter 2, it's interesting, Jesus was very conscious of his humility. Um, how do we know that? Well, he actually called himself humble. He says in Matthew 11, 29, also go to Philippians, but I'll just touch on this one. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus was conscious of his humility, and he knew that humility was a choice. So he knew, and we're going to look at Jesus when he was on earth. So Jesus, the man, Jesus who laid down his equality with God, took on the form of a servant, and, and basically took on humanity. 
Jesus, as man, was fully humble. And he knew he had to, it was a choice and he had to refuse to be resentful. He had to refuse to be... Um, he, he had to choose to be oppressed rather than to oppress. He had to choose to be despised rather than despised. And we see a lot of choices that Jesus had to make when he was here on earth. So Philippians 2 gives us a great passage here from 3 to 9 about, I guess, different parts of humility that we can wear. And that's what I just want to draw out. So do nothing, it says from verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So again there, we see that link where we, the scripture we read before of God gives grace to the humble, he resists the proud, and then it also says that God exalts the humble. So God was able to exalt Jesus because he was humble. Um, and that's, that's a real key. I think Jesus fully understood that when he was here on earth, he had to walk in humility because that was the way God was going to pour out the grace in his life um, to do what God had called him to do. And I think I've always struggled with, like, oh, Jesus had this... It wasn't fair. Jesus was God. But we need to see that Jesus says he, he was tempted in every way. He was fully human. Um, and it's that Jesus that set the ultimate example for us to follow. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's just cover... So I've got seven... <laughs> Seven parts of humility. I had 12. Something <laughs> seven. I might, based on time, have to drop it further. But look, I don't want to stick myself to three points. We're going seven, and I won't take too long. I'll just touch them. I really hope that what this does is stir your, your hunger to go, wow, what is this thing of humility? What is this thing that I can apply, that I can put on, so that it will protect you from, from pride, but it will also be a, a mechanism that's going to release more grace in your life? And who doesn't want that? Come on. Um, so first one, very obvious. Think more of others than of self. It's clearly mentioned there in Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition. In humility, count others more significant. Jesus obviously showed this. He laid down his life for us, my goodness. Um, he is the ultimate example. Um, he obeyed to the point of death. You know, but um, for us, what does this look like? I think, again, and again, I think there's lots of parallels, well, the converse between pride and humility. Because when we're in a condition of pride, we quickly talk about ourselves. You look at the world we live in, it's very self-absorbed. 80%, um, they say, of, of social media posts are self-directed. As, as a church, we make a, um, a, a conscious effort that whatever we post on Social media is about Jesus, not about us as a church. And that's even, we can, we can, pride can come into who we are as a church. It's like, well, we're proud because we're God's children, but we're not, yeah, I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> So when we find ourselves thinking too much of ourselves and our concerns, whether that be feeling sorry for ourselves 
or looking for self-advantage, that's the trigger there where we need to go, no, I'm going to stop that train of thought and I'm going to turn it instead to the, the, thought, the thinking of others, the affairs of others. And, um, and when you start to do that, again, this is something you need to put on. It's a choice. It's not, unfortunately, it's not just, oh, I've done that, I've, I've got it now. It's a daily choice to go, no, I'm not going to dwell on my own focus, thinking about my problems. I'm going to focus on others. And when you do that, you're going to find your focus will change, but your life will change. The problems you think are huge in your life will grow dimmer. Sure, there's still things we need to go through, but there's something of, of when we focus on others, we, we have that heart of humility, then the grace of God comes and, and it gives us strength. So the antidote to pride and self-centeredness is humility. Value others more than yourself. So humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. That's uh, Rick, Warren, Rick Warren there, a little quote from him. So it's thinking of ourselves less. So I'm not saying here that oh, we need to think less of ourselves, but it's really flipping it to think more of others. Practically, what does this look like? I think really it's about being intentional. You know, how can you value others? Um, cultivate a humble heart that is always listening and looking for the people that the Holy Spirit is highlighting, that he wants you to minister to. And that goes both in your workplace, when we get out in the streets, but it's also to your family. How are we showing that we value our family? That's part of humility, of thinking more of them than ourselves. Second one that flows on that, so first, think more of others. Second, servant-heartedness. This flows in with thinking more of others. Again, Philippians 2, 5, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Jesus served. Jesus served his disciples. There's that beautiful picture in John 13 of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And then he goes, I've done this for you to show you a picture, an example for how you should treat each other, that you should serve, that you should... And that was a deliberate act that Jesus... It was a lowly act to wash the feet of the disciples. So in this sense, humility is, is ready to do anything for the Lord. So I guess the key here is it's if there's something advantageous to the kingdom of God or something that will relieve the stress of others, humility is always willing to do it. So there's nothing below you. It's not like, oh, I don't do that because that's, that's not my call or that's not my gifting, you know. I don't, I don't do the, uh, you know, packing chairs up. That's not my thing. You know, the, there's, the, the standard for every believer is one of servanthood. Um, and it's actually a good test of the measure of your humility. It's a good test of, of your maturity to go, well, am I willing to, to do anything for the king? And, um, you know, the model of the Christian life in the New Testament is one of a bond servant. So a bond servant, I didn't look this up, what to deal with a bond servant. How does that change from a a servant, but look, bond slave, sorry, similar thing. Um, but it's always looking for the wishes of his master. So the focus, again, is not on self, but it's on what is the master wanting me to do. So humility thinks like a servant, firstly to God and also to others. So nothing is too much, and the goal is we're doing it for the Lord. And there's the, the beauty in it is there's a joy. When you serve, there's a joy in, in serving from a heart that truly wants to honour God. You know, it's not like I'm serving so I get recognised, so people will like me. 
It's not about that. It's like, I serve for the Lord. I want to represent him, and serving is one way we do that, and it helps our humility. It helps counter that pride. So my question for you today is, where are you at? Where's your servanthood at? How can you grow in the area of servanthood? And I think one of the things I notice, and it's funny because I, I love to serve, I love to help. Um, it's something I've, I just enjoy, and I think I've caught something of the joy in it. But I realise one of the areas I struggle with is allowing other people to serve me. And then I realise, oh, that's a, little, that's a bit of pride there because I'm happy to serve others, but oh, by get, asking people to help me, that means, oh, well, I need help. And it's like, oh, oh. So, you know, we need to be aware of that, that um, pride gets in every different ways. And you go, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good server. Oh, watch out for the pride there. Um, <laughs> but I think the key with serving is keep your ear to the ground. There's always needs. And it's like, oh, um, so-and-so needs a hand with this. And you're like, it's being attentive to that. Um, and that can really help us in that area. Let's move on. Thirdly, Another part of humility is being able to see our own weakness. Um, Hebrews 4, this is a profound scripture. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but one who in every respect, every respect, underline that, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted in every way. And I, I, I always find this quite mind-blowing. He's like, oh, look. What does that actually mean? Well, he was tempted in the way we're tempted, through pride, through sin, through every, everything that we face, he was tempted in the same way. And we need to take, the, the idea there is we need to take hope and strength from that, knowing that he is with us and he's going to help us through whatever temptation we face and whatever weaknesses we may have. And again, I can't help but think, yes, Jesus give, gave us that example of what it meant to be full of the Spirit to, to hear the Father's voice, the Spirit empowered him. But I can't help but think the humility was in there as well, that the humility he lived in gave him the grace to be able to overcome temptation and live in victory. So I, I just, yeah, I think it's all part of it. You know, so humility is always ready to see our own weakness. And, you know, Paul goes, in my weakness, I am strong. And the strength comes from God. And I think even part of this is this whole idea of how do, you, how do you respond to criticism? It's a good test of your pride. Because if you're always self-prickly or, you know, straight away when someone criticises your self-defence mechanism comes up, like, how dare you criticise me? And this thing comes up. But um, that's a symptom of pride. Humility is like even, even when, you know, people can sometimes, we're not great sometimes giving criticism and it can come across hostile it can come across oh I didn't mean I was you know my heart's good but sometimes criticism can feel unreasonable but the humble attitude to that is okay I'm not going to let the way they communicated this get to me I'm going to go hang on my greatest concern is to please God and there's always ways that I can improve you know maybe it's my communication was off maybe you know there's always room to improve I guess is the heart here so, to put on the clothing of humility includes a daily review of your sins and faults. Again, not to wallow in that, but to go, hey, I want to improve. I want to be part of that process of being transformed from glory to glory. To me, that covers every part of your life. It's not just, oh, just your spiritual walk. It's every part. And I think when we have that 
desire to see our weakness and then to improve, allow ourselves to be improved, that's part of being humble. So what are your areas of weakness and how are you bringing them to the Lord in prayer? And how, how are you going with that criticism stuff? You know, um, I, I, again, I don't have time for this. Anyone ever heard of level five feedback? It's all about this idea of how do you give feedback to people? Do you ask for feedback? Um, and that's a good way too to go, yeah, I'm humble enough to ask for feedback and take it on board. And um, level five feedback, by the way, is where you, you start with a positive, you did this well, and here's an area you can improve. Level five feedback. Keep that in mind, people. Good for your workplace. Fourthly, seek no recognition. Humility seeks no recognition. Interesting, Jesus actually um, withdrew from um, recognition. I, I don't know if you've read this. John 6, verse 15. Do you want to bring that one up? Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Did you know that the people wanted to make Jesus king? They were going to actually, like put him on a throne. What did Jesus do? He withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So, humility is willing to go unrecognised. You know, Jesus withdrew from any, any desire for promotion, any desire to put himself. I mean, he knew what he was called to. The disciples struggled. They were like, Jesus, when are you going to, like, take over? When are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And he was like, no, 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 that's not... Eventually they got it. Like, ah, right, it's not the kingdom. But, um, but again, humility is willing to go unrecognised, unthanked, unpraised for what it does, however unfair it may seem. There is a knowledge that our recognition comes from the Lord. That's, that should be enough. Um, you know, so as, as... And this is where, again, it's like we've got to put this on, this... This heart of humility, so as soon as... And this happens. I know it happens in my life, but you're like, gee, no one thanked me for that. Couldn't they at least have said thanks? You know, when I fix the door and now it works again, can't, can't my family just say thanks for fixing the door? <laughs> Very random example there, but... <laughs> I haven't fixed the door recently, although Lewis did break something on the door that I had to fix. But yeah, it's, it's like... It's when those thoughts come up of like... Why, am I, why aren't I being recognised for this? And then going, no, I'm not going to entertain that train of thought. Um, I'm going to stop that thought and count every act as a service unto the Lord. That's the heart of humility. That's where the rubber hits the road. It's not like, oh, yeah. And the, the reality is, the Bible says this quite a bit. He says, don't, don't do your acts before men to get your praise before men. He said, that's your, that's your reward. I mean, that's pretty... I'm like, yeah, great, a bit of recognition is always nice. I'm not saying here that recognition is evil and bad. I think it's the seeking out of recognition. That's the heart here. It's, I think it's good to recognise each other and to appreciate each other. That's, that's a good thing. But it's when you start seeking it out, that's where the, the pride can come in. So um, seeking no recognition. Let's move on. Um, we're up to five, by the way. So nearly, nearly there. We've moved way past three. Um, Lord, the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns a humble with victory. There's the, that was shared this morning. I, I feel that, that God wants to bring victory in our lives this morning, even as we get into some real practical bits of what it means to put on humility. I think, yeah, pride is, is there, but the, simple, the, the key for pride is repentance. 
Just repent. If, if God's highlighting bits thing, as I'm sharing, things that you go, oh, gee, I struggle with that, just repent and then put on humility and you're going to see the grace of God come again and bring freedom. So fifthly, always approachable, pleasant and willing to listen. This is a nice bit of humility. Always approachable, pleasant and willing to listen. Jesus showed his humility in his ability to listen. So you, when you read the Gospels, he wasn't listening just to go, oh, I'm going to look for that thing to criticise. Then I can jump on them. He did jump on the, the Pharisees. What were they? They were proud. Yes, yes. See, they, got, Jesus knew. He knew, well, he knew their hearts. But religion is all part and parcel in that whole pride area. But, gee, Jesus to the vulnerable, he listened with eyes, ears and his whole mind. He took time to show people how important they were. He gave them undivided attention. And he listened in a way that helped, them, helped him identify their need. And that's, that's the example for us. That's the heart of humility. And this is the beautiful part of this is how we're to share the gospel. This is how we're in, there's a, there's a real link here to how we should minister, with a humble heart, willing to listen, approachable, not trying to exert our opinion on people, but always accommodating others. Never rough, abrasive, unkind. You know, it's pride that criticises and finds fault, but to be clothed with humility is determined to remain respectful in every circumstance. And again, rem- reminding ourselves that we represent Jesus. We're his ambassadors. We're, we're representing him. And, you know, just on that, that the whole criticism thing is, is such a thing we need to be careful of because out of that flows this sense of pride and superiority, that sort of arrogant thing that comes in through being critical, being negative. But um, the garment of humility is always peaceable, gentle, and easy to be appeased. So practically, you know, again, just repent if you've got that critical spirit where you're always sort of focusing on the negative and going, oh, well, what about this? And, oh, but that's wrong. And, you know, let's choose to be humble and, and put on the, the hope that we have in Christ, put on that willingness to listen and to go, hang on, I'm going to hear this person out. I'm not going to jump with a solution to someone's problem, but we're going to hear people out and listen and adopt that encouraging spirit. So being approachable, very important, and being willing to listen. Sixthly, hungry for knowledge and teachable. Another key part. Again, when we look at Jesus, amazing. Jesus grew in knowledge. I always sort of think, oh, you know, Jesus knew it all. He didn't have to to learn. But we read in Luke 2, verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. We see here Jesus was growing in knowledge and then it reads, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with the Lord and man. And can you, again, I I need to move on, but just imagine Jesus reading scriptures and reading scripture about himself. And he was growing in knowledge about who he was in scripture. He was reading the prophetic books. You go, oh, there's a prophecy about what I'm being called to do. Again, this is Jesus the man. Can you picture it? But I think what I want to draw out from that is Jesus knew he had to grow in knowledge and that should be our same heart, that we want to grow in knowledge, that we remain hungry, that we never get to the point where we're like, okay, I'm, I think I'm pretty good now, I, I know a fair bit. Um, 
there is always more to learn. I don't think there's anyone here that's like that, but it's, it's a heart of, and desire to want to learn, to want to refine. There's always better ways we can do things, even in, in how we witness, in how we uh, present ourselves and how we communicate. Humility wants to always improve. Um, lastly, obedience. Number seven, obedience. It is a big one. I was going to start with this, but then I'll, no, I'll end with it. Jesus again, Philippians 2.8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death. Wow. You know, Jesus, and it, you think, oh, yeah, he just, he was God again. And like, no, this was Jesus the man. We read, you picture a little bit in Mark 4 where he goes, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. In Mark 4, verse, yeah, 14.36. So Jesus the man, he was struggling. Yet not what I will, but, but, but your will. There's a key here in, the, in Jesus was, again, had to choose here to take on humility to go, no, no, not my will. I don't really want this cup. Take this cup from me. Again, a profound scripture, but um, sorry about that. Um, but still, he chose humility in this, in this instant. And he said, not my will, but your will. And, you know, Jesus obeyed to the point of death, not for a time, not while it was comfortable or convenient. Humility not only obeys God as Lord, but continues to obey even as obedience mounts its increasing cost. That's the, that's the cost. There's a cost to it. And um, humility says yes all the way, not just part way. Um, and sometimes that means not our plans. It's in your plans, not my plans. That's a challenge. That's like, how do we live our lives in humility going, God, I want your plans. And, and I guess the reality to that means sometimes your well laid out plans are not God's plans. Are you humble enough to go, okay, God, help me to change those plans and align them with you? So seven points. There's lots more. Be like Pat. Be like Bruce, put on the protective clothing of humility. And you know what? There's an even awesomer, greater, awesomer promise. He says, we are to be humbled that he may exalt you in due time. So there's not only grace poured out, but there's an exalting. And I mean, again, I just find this amazing. That to me, that exalting means there's blessing, there's usefulness, and there's impact for you as you walk in humility as you live in his grace, there's going to be a fulfillment for you and part of that is joy. There's a joy that comes when you live a humble life knowing that God is in control, that there's, you know, we choose to put all these things on, we live for his glory and then there's, there's just such a beautiful joy that comes when we're living in that place. So just as we, as we close, I felt, you know, as we've been looking at pride you know, there's lots of different ways pride can, can jump in. And again, what was shared this morning, the key to overcoming pride, repent and then put on this, this garment, this protective clothing of humility. That's going to help guard you and protect you and let you live in the grace that God wants to pour out in your life. And, um, and in that place, God can use us. We fit for the master's use. We can see his kingdom extended but again, we've got to keep coming back, keep coming back to that humility that we need. It's never about us, never about our platform, never about us 
gaining likes. It's all about him. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.